0: Filtered news. Real news. Welcome, everyone, to the Tory Sesh show. I'm your host, Tory. It is March 19th, 2020, and this month is almost out. About 10 more days and it's gone. It's Thursday. It's busy. And I thought I'd just start off with just streaming out um, the president addressing the nation as commander in chief again with the missing presidential seal. Hello. Now we're getting announcements of Northcom. Now, now, now. But we already knew this, right? Because Friday is when all of this went into effect. And when people actually realize what is going on, it will blow their minds. Uh, you know, obviously me taking advantage of the fact that I went back to school three decades into my life, I um, I can tell you that all. I have been following the genetic uh, mutations and uh, obviously going in through GISAID and looking at the transmission rates and looking at where exactly on the adenine chain, you know, which is a chain of A's, right? This is how we represent uh, that exact, um, you know, the, the, the extensive codon, let's say. But um, looking at the mutations and what location they're made, tells you everything you need to know but the weirdest thing is is actually from nextstrain.org where they actually do the geno- genomic epidemiology of uh the human um and this is with a lowercase h coronavirus uh, 19 is and i tweeted out a picture which is the phylogeny and that's basically how you tree it out and graph it um you know, uh, I put it in a clock formation out there for you. Did I? Did I? Did I tweet out the clock formation? I'm trying to see. I, I I think I did, but it shows you how many mutations or base pairs or changes or where on the loci of 713 different genomes that have been sampled since January, um, and the host. And so the host is canine with a C, eight human with a capital H, and then human with all lowercase. <laughs> For those of you that are straw man, you kind of know what that means, but... Let's just listen to the president and we'll get into that because sometimes disclosure isn't the disclosure that we await. And sometimes giving disclosure before disclosure is necessary can change the way we receive information. It's kind of like someone saying, Hey, take a look at this picture. Doesn't it look like a rabbit? And all you look at is to look for a rabbit when you're not really looking at what is really there people are starting to see better and identify things better and are confused I mean you know uh, just one example is Ellen DeGeneres came out and she was you know um, facetiming talking about her games of games but yet her shirt had the adenine sequence of covid nineteen on her sleeves, and this weird devil picture on it you know that was drawn in all funky, and one'll think, well, hold on a second what yeah, they don't look well, do they, so which one are they are the are they the yellow statistic or the green statistic because we haven't seen any casualties? of green yet and green is go and go is definitely not a lot of people but yellow is and this is why they're in pure panic and a lot of people that's in the eye of the beholder we'll leave that for later on so for now let's take a listen to what our president and commander-in-chief right now is telling us with his team
2: thank you very much I think there's going to be a very important conference and I'll get to that toward the middle. Uh, but I have a few things to report and uh, want to thank you all for being here. And I have to say, I think with social distancing, that the media has been much nicer. I don't know what it is, all these empty, these in-betweens, you probably shouldn't have anybody sitting behind you either, you know, you should probably go back. But I love it. It's so much nicer. But I shouldn't say that because you me now. Uh, thank you all for being here and we continue our relentless effort to defeat the Chinese virus. Before I begin, I want to start by announcing that today we are bringing home another American citizen was a big thing, very big, uh, Omar Fekori is on his way back to the- he's battling late stage cancer, Mr. Fakori will now be able to receive the much needed care and treatment in the United States. We've been working very hard to get him freed. And he's finally able to have his entire family at his side. So I'm very grateful to the Lebanese government. They worked with us and uh, we are very proud of his family. They stood by him so strongly and they are thrilled. The United States has no higher priority than the safety and well-being of our citizens. We've gotten uh, a tremendous number of hostages out, as you know. I think we're 42 and 0 and Robert O'Brien, as you know, was uh, our chief negotiator for a large part of it. In fact, did so well that now we have him in a a different position. So I want to thank and congratulate Robert and his team, and I want to Let everyone know that recovering Americans held captive and imprisoned abroad continues to be a top priority for my administration. Uh, We have one young gentleman, Austin Tice, and we're working very hard with Syria to get him out. We hope the Syrian government will do that. We are counting on them to do that. Uh, We've uh, written a letter just recently, but he's been there for a long time and uh, was captured long ago. Austin Tice, his mother's probably watching, and she's a great lady. And we're doing the best we can. So Syria, please uh, work with us. And uh, we would appreciate uh, you letting them out. If you think about what we've done, we've gotten rid of the ISIS caliphate in Syria. We've done a lot for Syria. We have to see if uh, they're going to do this. So it would be very much appreciated if they would let Austin Tice out immediately. As you know, my administration is working every day to protect American people and the American economy from the virus. Yesterday, I signed into law a critical support for American workers, families, and small businesses. It's a big thing. We're providing sick leave and family medical leave to those affected by the virus in a way as we speak. Our entire team, headed by Secretary Mnuchin, is on the Hill. Uh, we're working with Democrats and Republicans, and there's a lot of goodwill going on. Uh, this was something that happened that uh, was uh, some people would say an act of God. I don't view it as an act of God. I would view it as is uh, uh, something that just surprised the whole world, and if. People would have known about it. It could have stopped, been stopped in place. It could have been stopped right where it came from, China, if we would have known about it, if they would have known about it. But now the whole world almost is inflicted with this horrible, uh, with this horrible virus. And uh, it's too bad. It's too bad because we never had an economy as good as the economy we had just a few weeks ago. But we'll be back, and I actually think we'll be back stronger than ever before, because we learned a lot during this period of time. Uh, I also just invoked the Defense Production Act to help facilitate distribution of essential supplies, if necessary. We're working with Congress to provide major additional relief to the workers, small businesses, and the hardest hit industries. We want to make sure that everybody is able to continue on so that when we recover all of these companies and these uh, great businesses, both very, very small and very, very large. They're not going to be broken up and you'd have to put them back together. That would take a long time because we really believe in, I believe in the V curve. I believe it's going to go when this is, uh, when this is defeated, uh, this hidden scourge is defeated. I think we're going to go up very rapidly our economy and get back to where it was and beyond today. I want to share with you exciting, progress that the FDA is making with the private sector as we slash red tape like nobody has ever done it before. Somebody was on yesterday or one of the networks and said that uh, there's never been a president even close that's been able to do what I've done in slashing all of the red tape and everything to get very important things to the market, medical. So we slash red tape to develop vaccines and therapies as fast as uh, it can possibly be done long before anybody else was even thinking about doing this. And as you know, earlier this week, we began the first clinical trial of a vaccine candidate for the virus, and that was launched in record time. It was just a few weeks, and uh, that would have taken years to do not so long ago. As we race to develop a vaccine, we're also pursuing antiviral therapies, and that's what really we're going to be talking to you about Today, that's the purpose of being up here today. And to me, that's uh, even more important. The vaccine, by its nature, you have to have long tests because you have to make sure what goes into somebody's body is not going to do destruction, do bad things. So you need long tests. And uh, they're doing great with the vaccines, but it's still a long process. But the therapies are something we can move on much faster, potentially. And the treatments that will be able to reduce the severity or duration of the symptoms, make people better. Essentially, we're looking at things to make people better or at the very earliest stages, they wouldn't even know they had it. And that's where I believe it's going to work even the best. Uh, The FDA commissioner, Stephen Hahn, who's with us, he's fantastic and he is. Been working 24 hours a day. He's been uh, uh, he's worked like probably as hard or harder than anybody in this in the group other than maybe Mike Pence or me. And uh, what the FDA is doing is incredible. They've done things in times that were not even thinkable. And I've directed the FDA to eliminate outdated rules and bureaucracy so this work can proceed rapidly quickly, and I mean, fast. And we have to remove every barrier. There were a lot of barriers that were unnecessary. And they've done that to get the rapid deployment of safe, effective treatments. And we think we have some good answers. We'll find out very, very soon. Clinical trials are already underway for many new therapies, and we're working on scaling these to allow many more Americans to access different drugs that have shown really good promise. We've had some really good promise. Uh, We will do so in a way that lets us continue to collect good data to know which medicines are safe and which medicines are working the best. We have a couple that we're we're in really good shape on, uh, and that's for immediate delivery. Immediate, like as fast as we can get it. The FDA has also approved compassionate use for a significant number of patients. You know what that means. We're also reviewing drugs that are approved abroad or drugs approved here for other uses and you know one of the things that i'm most proud of that i got was right to try that's where somebody who's ill somebody who's very sick terminally ill usually uh, in past administrations we signed this a year and a half ago you wouldn't be able to even think about getting any of the drugs that may be showing great promise now and they've been trying for many decades to get this approved and it sounds simple but it's not because there's liability involved and lots of other things And I was able to get it approved working with Congress. Right to try. This is beyond right to try. What we're talking about today is beyond right to try. Right to try has been, by the way, a tremendous success. People are living now that had no chance of living where we take treatments that would things that that would have to go through years of a process. And if somebody was terminally ill, and i would say why wouldn't they be able to try this they'd go to asia they'd go to europe they'd go all over the world to try and find something or some people if they had no money we'd go home to die they'd go home to die they had no hope right to try has been an incredible success but this is beyond right to try if treatments known to be safe in europe japan or other nations are effective against the virus we'll use that information to protect the health and safety of american people Nothing will stand in our way as we pursue any avenue to find what best works against this horrible virus. Now, a drug called chloroquine. And some people would add to it hydroxy, hydroxychloroquine. So chloroquine or hydroxychloroquine. Now, this is a common malaria drug. It's also a drug used for strong arthritis. Uh, Somebody has pretty serious arthritis, uh, also uses this in somewhat different form, but.
0: So I'm just gonna pause for a second there. For those of you that that have been listening, Natori says, you know, old people usually have a thing. They usually tell stories, right? And the reason they tell stories is not to, there's always a moral to a story, right? Just like the Anderson tales, right? So we were talking about how I reminisced meeting that South American guy that was experimenting uh, the relationship between HIV and malaria. And we also know that coronavirus acts in the same manner that HIV would. I mean, but whatever, right? No such thing as time travel.
2: It is known as a malaria drug and it's been around for a long time and it's very powerful. But the nice part is it's been around for a long time. So we know that if, it, if, if things don't go as uh, planned, it's not going to kill anybody when you go with a brand new drug, you don't know that that's going to happen. You have to see and you have to go long tests. But this has been used in different forms, very powerful drug in different forms. And it's shown very encouraging, very, very encouraging early results. And we're going to be able to make that drug available almost immediately. And that's where the FDA has been so great. They've gone through the approval process. It's been approved, and they did it. They took it down from many, many months to uh, immediate. So we're going to be able to make that drug available by prescription or states. I spoke with Governor Cuomo about it at great length last night, and uh, he he wants to be uh, right on on the. He wants to be first on the line, and uh, so I think that's a tremendous. There's tremendous promise uh based on the results and other tests there's tremendous promise and normally the fda would take a long time to approve something like that and it's uh, it was approved very very quickly and it's now approved by prescription uh individual states will handle it they can handle it doctors will handle it and uh i think it's going to be i think it's going to be great then we're quickly studying uh, this uh, drug. And while we're continuing to study it, but the studying is going to be also done in, as it's given out to large groups of people, perhaps in New York and other places. We'll study it there. There are promising therapies produced by Gilead, and that's uh, Remdesivir, Remdesivir. And that's a drug used for other purposes that's been out and said very good results for other purposes, but it seems to have a very good result having to do with this virus. And that drug also has been uh, approved or very close to approved in that case by the FDA. And I can't tell you how much we appreciate what the FDA these people are incredible patriots and uh, the job that. Stephen Hahn is doing, Dr. Hahn, who's one of the most respected doctors in the country, by the way, where we took him. I said, you sure you want to do this? Now, we didn't know that this was going to be uh, in the playlist, what happened here, but he really has stepped up to the plate wherever you are. Where is he? You really have. I shake his hand, but I'm not supposed to do that. Getting a lot of trouble if I did that, but he's been fantastic. And I thank you, doctor. He's going to speak right after I'm finished. So uh, Regeneron again, uh, and uh, uh, is some is a company that's done fantastically well, as I understand, with Ebola and some other things. Great company, and they're looking at some very promising events also. So you have Remdesivir and you have uh, Chloroquine and hydro Hydroxychloroquine. So uh, those are two that are out now, uh, essentially approved for uh, prescribed use. And I think it's going to be very exciting. I think it could be a game changer, and maybe not. And maybe not. But I think it could be, based on what I see, it could be a game changer. Very powerful. They're very powerful. So I want every American to know that we're doing everything we can. And these actions are important next steps. I mean, for the FDA to act the way they acted with this kind of speed is an incredible thing normally they'd say well we can have it by next year or we could have it in two years from now you understand this is the way normally it's like years and years and years uh, they had it immediately based on the fact that it's been used for other things totally unrelated things we believe these therapeutics others under evaluation right now, we'll be able to provide relief to many Americans. We really hope that's going to be. This could be a a tremendous breakthrough, tremendous breakthrough. And uh, we will work toward a much needed vaccine in the future, as I said. And uh, what with the FDA is so exciting in so many other fields, Uh, so many things are happening. It's a very exciting time for for medicine and. we appreciate that the American public has pulled together. They're really staying home. And uh, I think uh, there's tremendous spirit in this country right now. A spirit like a lot of people have not seen. People have not seen anything like it for a long time. And that means Democrat, Republican, uh, they're pulling together. I hope everything's going uh, good on the hill. Maybe I shouldn't say this until I check out what's either they're trying to get things done. But most importantly, the American public has been incredible. We took the best economy we've ever had. And we said, stop, you can't work. You have to stay home. You know, there's never been a case like this. Normally, you pay a lot of money to get things going. We're paying a lot of money to stop things because we don't want people to uh, be together so that this virus doesn't continue onward. So there's never been anything like this in history. It's never been. A, nobody's ever seen anything like this. But we're doing the right thing. We have to get rid of I mean, our big war is not a it's not a financial war. It's a war and it's a medical war. We have to win this war. It's very important. With that, I'd like to just introduce Dr. Stephen Hahn. And uh, he uh, again, I'd like to. Send back with Stephen our thanks to all of the people working in the FDA who are fantastic, talented people. We appreciate it very much, everything you've done, especially the speed that you got these uh, two elements, these two very important drugs passed. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you, you, Mr. President.
3: Um, I want to thank you for your leadership during this coronavirus outbreak, um, and thank you for the kind words uh, about the FDA staff. We have 10,000 scientists, doctors and others and more than that working around the clock to aid the American people in this fight against the coronavirus. And those words are very much appreciated, sir. Thank you. So um, before the president nominated me and I was confirmed as commissioner for drugs, I was a cancer doctor and I've sat across from countless number of patients um, and had to talk to them about their diagnosis and their treatment. And one thing that was really important is to provide hope. I have great hope for how we're going to come out of this situation. What's also important is not to provide false hope, but to provide hope. And as a doctor, that's the way I come to this. I'm speaking now to the American people as Commissioner of Food and Drugs, but that part of me has not left. Just look at the way the American people have responded to our calls for mitigation, for social distancing. The American people have great resiliency, and I am so incredibly proud of how the American people have responded. As the president mentioned, he asked us to be aggressive, to break down barriers to innovation, and to accelerate the development of life-saving treatments. And we're doing that at the FDA. The FDA is committed to continuing to provide regulatory flexibility and guidance. But let me make one thing clear. FDA's responsibility to the American people is to ensure that products are safe and effective, and yet we are continuing to do that. Our folks and their tremendous professionals are working day and night to do this. You just can't even imagine how much they're working to to provide this support for the American people, and I thank them. Since early January, long before the first domestic case, FDA began working in collaboration with CDC. I also want to note that we stood up at Incident Command Group um, and have been focused on the coronavirus since the very beginning of this public health emergency. This is, in addition, an all-of-government and all-America approach, and I'll describe what I mean by that in terms of the development of therapeutics. An important part of that work is expanding the potential therapeutic options associated with coronavirus, and we've learned from our colleagues across the globe about this. But I I want to focus on one thing. I I was a cancer researcher before all this, and um, one thing I know about this great country of ours is that we have unbelievable innovators. We have people who every day, it's their job to develop treatments for all sorts of diseases. We are incredibly blessed as a country to have this. And as is true in any illness these great american innovators academia private sector they have engaged us about the best possible treatment options we are looking at everything that's coming across our desks as possible treatment options for coronavirus and we're extremely encouraged by the interest and the promise that we've seen from these great american innovators now again We need to look at it. We need the data. We need the information to make the absolute best decisions for American people. But I want to assure you, we have over 17,000 people at FDA who are doing this every day. We need need to make sure that uh, the sea of new treatments will get the right drug to the right patient at the right dosage at the right time. As an example, we may have the right drug, but it may not be in the appropriate dosage form right now, and that may do more harm than good. Those are the things that that's our job to look at and that's why it's really important we have these dedicated professionals looking at these aspects of therapeutic development. At the same time, we're also working through different mechanisms to actually get drugs into the hands of providers and patients. The president mentioned this, but one of the mechanisms is called compassionate use. Let me just tell you about this. If there's an experimental drug that's potentially available, a doctor could ask for that drug to be used in a patient. We have criteria for that and very speedy approval for that. The important thing about compassionate use, and that's what the president meant, this is even beyond right to try, is that we get to collect the information about that. Because one of the things is I promised the American people is we will collect the data and then make the absolute right decisions based upon those data about the safety and efficacy of the treatments. We are working expeditiously and we are working to make sure that these products are as safe and effective as they possibly can be. Let me tell you about a few things that we're currently working on. And this is a a plan that was developed with many of the people at this table, our infectious disease uh, uh, experts on the task force. In the short term, we're looking at drugs that are already approved for other indications. So they're already approved, as the president said, for other diseases. As an example, many Americans have read studies and heard media reports about this drug chloroquine, which is an anti-malarial drug. It's already approved, as the president said, for the treatment of malaria as well as an arthritis condition, that's a drug that the president has directed take a closer look at as to whether an expanded use approach to that could be done, to actually see if that benefits patients. And again, we want to do that in the setting of a clinical trial, a large pragmatic clinical trial, to actually gather that information and answer the question that needs to be answered and asked and answered. Um, let me give you another example. Um, there's a cross-agency effort. Um, about something called convalescent plasma. This is a pretty exciting area. And again, this is something that we have uh, given assistance to other countries with as this crisis has developed. So FDA has been working for some time on this. If you've been exposed to coronavirus and you're better, you don't have the virus in your blood, we could collect the blood. Now this is a possible treatment. This is not a proven treatment. Just wanna emphasize that. Collect the blood, concentrate that and have the ability, once it's pathogen-free, that is virus-free, be able to give that to other patients, and the immunoglobulins, the immune response, could potentially provide a benefit to patients. It's another thing that we're looking at. Over the next couple weeks, we'll have more information that. We're really pushing hard to try to accelerate that. That's in the sort of more medium short-term, and that'll be a bridge to other therapies that will take us three to six months to develop. And this is a continuous process. There is no beginning, an end to each of this this is you know we're pushing this through the other great thing about the great innovators of america some of them tell us it's taken us years years to develop therapies they're looking at pushing that to the month's period of time and we're trying to provide them the rec- regulatory flexibility but at the same time the scientific oversight gets done in the best way possible for the american people the president uh, mentioned that there is a vaccine trial um, currently being So it's the earliest study that gets done. We expect that to take 12 months to get depletion to actually a time where we could approve a vaccine. But that's, these are all things to bridge to the prevention part of this with a vaccine. It's exciting work and the president is right. This is record time for the development of, of a vaccine and impressive public private partnership. The FDA's efforts to facilitate the development of these products are focused on ensuring timely access while also meeting the agency's world-respected gold standard, relying on strong data from clinical trials to determine if an experimental or an off-the-shelf drug that's used for something else can safely and effectively treat patients. We want to assure the American people that FDA is all hands on deck, as the president mentioned, These efforts and continue to work with interested sponsors to help expedite the work. We remain steadfast to foster the development of safe and effective therapies for COVID 19. Thank you.
0: All right. Before we continue, I just wanted to tell you I'm actually going to, you know, uh, break down the medical ease, right? The medical terminology so you guys understand. And then now that, you know, we're talking about these uh, anti parasitic medications to be used to fight a virus, I can explain how this is used because we saw, let me, it has to do with your blood. So, I'm going to uh, tell you that it has to do with boosting your blood because we have been using uh, malaria drugs in order to help people with lupus. And you're going to say, well, what's lupus? It's basically your white blood cells attacking your red blood cells. And the malaria drugs that are supposed to like protect you from parasites that... Um, Uh, you get, because that's what malaria is, it's actually an organism. So you can actually protect yourself from it or inoculate per se yourself from it. Malaria drugs, uh, such as the ones referenced, usually help kill the parasites when they're in your liver now and your gut so now i've told you your immune system stems from your gut you have your b cells which are your innate immune defense which even though are great are the reason people get paralyzed um because the secondary wave of um uh, immune response to the scarring of neuronal tissue actually causes a blockade, right? Like a strip, a no-go zone. But anyway, that's a different topic. So your B cells, B is in boy cells, are your like, you know, heavy muscle, your front liners. Your T cells are your nerds that go through the spleen. Uh, they get trained in your gut and they go to, and I'm air quoting here, school to learn about what they are to fight. And this is why T cells are usually um, very effective against viruses because they educate themselves, whereas B cells, they only look at certain things. Now, immunoglobulins are exactly that, an immune defense. You see people that have lupus get treatments with that. Why? It's boosting up your innate um, you know, response to foreign agents allergies are simply certain white cells aggregating and attacking you because they get confused or they see a foreign agent that mixes with yours and makes them think it's a bad one. And we have different ones, isonophils, basophils, you know, neutrophils. We have different types of white blood cells. So I'm going to, I'm going to just start with that and let that percolate for a little bit because I did tell you how they were exposing prostitutes with AIDS to people with malaria active malaria or healed malaria and the virility of hiv varied for that now we talked about that two weeks ago but sometimes you don't say things straight out because it can manipulate the outcome that's to be as it's going through its course kind of like you don't tell the enemy you're attacking Though today I uh, tweeted out, and I want you guys to think about this for a second. Scientists that are composing the numbers in respects to infection are identifying two different types of hosts that are called human. That's all I have to tell you for now, and I want you to kind of think about it as we get into the second hour we'll talk a little bit more retroactively on things that i've published and talked about in regards to organ trafficking but we'll get to that so let's continue with this briefing because it's very important again what did i say to listen to our president because what did he what he's trying to do is keep humans with a capital h and humans with all lowercase Safe regardless, because some people never asked. You know, it's not your fault, you're born sometimes, right?
4: Thank you very much, Mike. Help it up the Thank you, Mr. President. The uh, White House Coronavirus Task Force uh, met this morning, and on this very first day of spring, uh, we continue to make steady progress toward President Trump's objective not only to marshal all the resources of the federal government, every state government, every, every local health official, um, but also to harness the power of the American private sector and activities over the last day reflect all of those priorities. Yesterday, the President spoke with America's top physicians and nurses and garnered helpful insights about how we can uh, best serve those who are serving. Americans that are dealing with the coronavirus. We also had a productive call with over 5,000 state and local officials uh, explaining uh, the federal government's approach and our strong and seamless partnership uh, with all 50 states and the territories. Last night, as you heard, the President signed the Family First Coronavirus Response Act, which provides free coronavirus testing, paid sick leave, family leave for caregivers, and food assistance for the needy among a broad range of benefits. And today, as the President indicated, uh, we expect that the Senate will begin work on an economic relief package. Later today, the President and I will uh, meet again in a teleconference with the nation's governors. We will meet at the National Response Coordination Center at FEMA and outline President Trump's decision to have FEMA take the lead in our national coronavirus response. Our nation's response through FEMA will be locally executed, state managed and federally supported. On testing, we want the American people to know once again that testing is available in all 50 states and is becoming increasingly available literally every hour of the day. Because of the public-private partnership that the president initiated several weeks ago with major commercial labs, I'm pleased to receive a report today that tens of thousands of tests are being performed every day, and with the passage of last night's legislations, a state and private labs are now required by law to report all coronavirus testing directly to the CDC, which will give the American public and also give our researchers timely and important information. It's important for every American to remember that if you don't have symptoms, you don't need to get a test. We wanna make sure the testing is available for people that are experiencing symptoms or have a genuine concern about having been exposed to someone with the coronavirus. Dr. Birx will address county level data, progress we've made on testing, and Americans can expect to see how an increased number of cases as our new testing system comes online should not be a cause of concern. She'll explain the importance of taking into account our new testing system as new data arrives over the next several days on supplies a priority the president has given to our task force we continue to work with healthcare providers businesses and state leadership to identify available supplies not merely in the federal stockpile but much more importantly available across the private sector we're encouraged to see companies like honeywell and 3m that i visited a few short weeks ago uh, take advantage of the changes in the law last night that allow the sale of industrial masks directly to hospitals. Those companies have now greatly increased by the tens of millions, their production of so-called N95 masks that will give our healthcare workers the protection that they need to, to minister to those that are dealing with the symptoms or the disease of coronavirus. I'm following uh, the signing of last night's bill. Uh, All of those masks now have liability protection and the companies can sell industrial masks to hospitals. It is encouraging, as we called out yesterday, to see construction companies all across America that are, as we speak, uh, checking their supplies and donating those industrial masks to their local hospitals. And I know I speak on behalf of the president, uh, who spent a lot of time as a builder, when we thank builders across America for partnering with our local healthcare officials. On the subject of ventilators, uh, we're working with healthcare providers around America and, and suppliers, and I'm, we're encouraged to learn that we've literally identified tens of thousands of ventilators that being, can be converted to treat patients. And we remain increasingly confident that we will have the ventilators that we need as the coronavirus makes its way across America. And as we said before, this, we're all in this together. And before I step away and, uh, and give the podium back to uh, the president and to Dr. Burks, I want to call every American's attention again to the president's 15 days to slow the spread. We continue to hear uh, one case after another, one city after another, where people are putting into practice the principles that the president outlined this Monday. And make no mistake about it that while for the American people as a whole, the risk of serious illness remains low, these guidelines should be practiced by every American in every community, not only to lessen the spread of the coronavirus, but to protect the most vulnerable among us. and I think Americans with their, with, from their hearts are not only practicing these principles of social distancing and avoiding social gatherings of more than 10 people using drive throughs at restaurants, to protect their own health and the health of their family. But they're also recognizing that, uh, that no American virus to someone for whom the consequences could be quite serious. Uh, at the present,
0: And the question is, why would it be quite serious? I mean, like I said, the CDC obviously finds that human with a capital H and human with a lowercase h is different. But what is the difference with our elderly than it is with our more younger generations that are not as prone to having been infected? It is interchangeable parts, surgeries, and compromised immune systems. Again, if you're not at your best, you're not going to be able to fight it off. I mean, statistically, I myself is uh, is in a very bad position if I was to get even an average flu or a cold or an pneumonia or anything. I have more chances of dying from a pneumonia uh, than you do if you're healthier than me, because I have underlying conditions Uh, That's what it is. Yet one will ask, well, Tori, you keep going out and doing stuff. Yeah, but that's because uh, I am looking into how the coronavirus works. I'm actually getting into the database that scientists have. I'm actually looking at the loci. I'm looking at the, uh, you know, the codons and the switches and where exactly we're having the mutations and trying to compare that with the DNA genetic makeup or whatever information I can find about the person who spread it. Now, I'm going to tell you how we have our own novel versions, but the most incredible, the most mutated form as of today that we have on this planet is actually in Brazil. And just so you know, in Europe, it wasn't in Italy that we had the first mutated, um, you know, version. It was actually Belgium, and it was after Belgium that had two different strains identified that it spread to France and Italy and the UK. So you then have to ask yourself geographically, where the virus is in Italy, what do we have that's very different to other places? Think, Turkey, for example, says, oh, we don't have anything and they're spraying everything down, right? They've reported that they have 98 cases, but only one death. And hold on, one in 98 is like super bad, okay? That's a lot of people dead. So they're not testing because if you don't test, then you don't have results and you can't see the mortality. So identify location, 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 and then identify host, host is the person that hosts the virus and gets it out i've said it before the virus that i have if i give it to you will be me with a little extra you know will be the virus with a little tory but it will not cause shifts shifts in the low side the where we're seeing it the codons won't be transposed it is very, very interesting. And so the science behind it is mind blowing. And you know, it's even more mind blowing that it's going more and more and more and more in the direction of who's the host. Because according to the statistics, human with a capital H is more of a victim than human with a little capital H. And will someone say that's aged human? No host is a host regardless if you are a two-year-old or a 20-year-old or a 200-year-old you're still a human right not change of host then you would go into age range so I want people to just look at what is happening carefully now let's listen to the president again
4: President's direction will continue to marshal all the resources of government at every level. We'll be reiterating that strong partnership with America's states this
0: afternoon. I'm skipping America's over to go- him. I'm skipping over straight to him. Dollars in this order is to address shortages in equipment and other infrastructure there. You just signed two
1: legislative
0: packages. They say it didn't directly give money to address this issue. Why not? And will you commit to making we're sure we're looking get at, at money that they-
2: issue directly with them? And we're looking at that issue very directly.
0: We make sure and
2: we're, we're looking at it very the directly money well. We- we're going to do our best on it. We're working with Democrats and Republicans on that. We're looking at that very specifically.
5: Can you bottom line people? When can Americans expect their lives
1: to go back to normal? Will that not happen until there's a vaccine? I hope very
2: soon. We'll see. Uh, This is uncharted territory, as you know. Uh, We think we have ideas. It doesn't help to say what the ideas are. I would hope very soon we're uh, we're, we've pulled together as a nation. People are, for the most part, doing what they're supposed to be doing. The social distancing is very interesting. A whole new term that's become a hot. It's become somewhat of a hot term, but people are listening, and they're and they're really doing a great job. This country is an amazing country. Uh, I think you're up to 141 different countries right now. So it's very uncharted territory. Could have could have been stopped. Could have been stopped pretty easily if we had known, if everybody had known about it uh, a number of months before people started reading about it. You said you didn't. Excuse me. Excuse me. Uh, Before we started reading about it, it could have been stopped in its tracks. Unfortunately, they didn't decide to make it public. But uh, the whole world is suffering because of it.
6: You did say a few days ago, though, you did have a sense that this was a pandemic that was coming. So why
0: was the United States not prepared with more testing? We were very prepared.
2: Uh, The only thing we weren't prepared is the the media. The media has not treated it fairly. I'll tell you how prepared I was. Uh, I called for a ban from people coming in from China law. Anybody thought it was in fact, it was your network. I believe they call me a racist because I did that. Uh, It was many of the people in the room. They call me racist and other words uh, because I did that because I went so early. So when you say we weren't prepared, had I let these tens of thousands of people come in from China a day, we would have had something right now that would have been uh, you wouldn't have even recognized it compared to where we are. How many people have passed away? How many people have died as of this moment? You could multiply that by a factor of many, many, many. So when you say that I wasn't prepared, I was the first one to do the ban. Now other countries are following what I did. But the media doesn't acknowledge that. They they know it's true. They know it's true, but they don't want to write about it. Yeah, go ahead. One
7: for the medical
6: professionals. Um, I wanted to just follow up on on John and Caitlin's question. So it's not just masks. Doctors are saying now that they are desperate for other personal protective gear, gloves, uh, other equipment. Uh, Governors are saying they don't have access to respirators and they're terrified. What is your reticence about it? Governors are supposed to get
2: it. The states are supposed to get it, but we're helping the states. Well, look, for years they bought them and now all of a sudden they're coming to the federal government. We're working with the states. We're working with the governors. We're working with everybody. The relationships are great. One of the things that happened this morning, I spoke with Mickey Harrison of Carnival Cruise Lines, and he's going to make ships available. So in addition to the big medical ships that you have coming, if we should need ships with lots of rooms, uh, they'll be docked at new york and los angeles and san francisco different places so i want to thank mickey aris and that's carnival cruise lines
6: what is your reticence about invoking the defense
3: production i've done it but, but you, you said that you've don't. i
2: done want it, to it. yeah if head. if we find that we need something that we will do that and you don't know what we've done you don't know whether or not we've ordered you don't know if we've invoked it you don't know what's been ordered what's not been ordered. i can only tell you right? i can only tell you that uh, as an example, masks. Nobody ever heard of the number of masks that's been ordered. They're being made now, and many are available now. Uh, but people, I think, in the media probably don't know that.
3: Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, you. Could you explain the gap in, for the American people and what you're saying here today about there being tens of thousands of tests available, about how there being a huge amount of masks available, and what we're seeing on the ground, which is really the opposite of that. People are people are
8: saying that they can't get tested even when they have symptoms. People are saying that they, doctors are telling us they don't have access to, to vital equipment. Can you explain that that gap?
2: Uh, well, I can't. I- I cannot explain a gap. I'm hearing very good things on the ground and we're dealing with love. They had a ramp up. They had an obsolete system and they had a system simultaneously that was not meant for this. It wasn't meant for this. Nobody knew there'd be a pandemic or an epidemic of this proportion. Nobody's ever seen anything like this before. Uh, I can tell you that what we're doing is we're working with local governments, with states, governors, even mayors.
0: You know, what's funny. Why don't they tell us where they're hearing this? So. One thing again that they said during this presser as well, our commander in chief, as you can see, still no presidential seal, and now the flag is gone. So we are fully under martial law at the moment. He is speaking to you from a position of commander in chief, and this is why he has his task force. So he has to be very careful. The world is about to change, and all you have to do is look to those that have thought that they were the change makers. Huh, who used to say that, right? So this is all you have to see. Where are they saying this? And people, huh? they've made people so dumb that they think that tackling this virus or testing for it is like putting a urine dipstick. You can't. It's not like a pregnancy test, positive, negative. No, 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 no. Do you know how many coronaviruses there are? Do you know how many immune, um, you know, identified cells you have to any coronavirus? Tons of them. So, don't listen to the media. Listen to your president. He's not going to stray you wrong because he is your commander in chief. He is in charge of your well-being. He is making sure you know, that you are fine. And for all of you that are doing this social distancing thing, he's doing it to protect you because you might be a casualty of this war and you don't deserve it right? You don't deserve to be a casualty of a war that you never asked for because you're just there, right? Remember that. This is what he's protecting you from. Now, like I said, I'm immunocompromised. I won't go out, not because I'm worried about the coronavirus, because, you know, I, as a scientist, had fun analyzing my own genome. Uh, So I kind of know what my immune system is great for. This is probably why the blood bank has been calling me nonstop. So even though I'm immunocompromised, they still call me. Pretty weird. And I just want you guys now to just listen to your president. Take heed from what he's telling you. Don't listen to the media that are telling you. We don't have. We can have a billion kits. You can spit in something, you can get your own cells. But in the end, it's not going to give us what we need. And that is we need to identify what version of COVID you have. That's the thing. It's pretty simple. We're going to get into some more nitty gritty details so you understand it. I will bring it down to a level that, you know, you didn't have to go get brick and mortar education for. See you in a bit.
3: Way from the suits in DC, but close enough now to see this mess.
2: We're a stand the mounds getting steeper, and grab a shovel, dig a hole a little deeper. Just to bury my kids right up to their neck.
0: Welcome to Red State Talk Radio. Real news. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tory. And just to conclude with our president speaking to us, I want you guys to pay attention to how the media, right, is not asking the questions you want answered. They're just not. They're just vicious, trying to get that gotcha moment because just like the president answered, you don't know what we ordered. You don't know what we're doing. You're obviously so dumb, you don't see that the minute I came out wearing a hat with no presidential seal on the podium, you asked no question. Well, today, I even removed the presidential flag from my presser. Are you none the wiser? Can you not ask? I'm part of the coronavirus task force. Ask me why there's no presidential symbol there. Nope. Instead, well, people are saying, who are those people? Show me the place that is saying it, because when I hear it, it drives me insane. You know, there are some people that are being turned away at the door. We already got your DNA, miss. We already know you ain't infected. Please walk. You have to pay attention to the details. And we've lost that ability. They have, you know, been They've convinced, well... They believe that your essence, right? The fact that you have this, you know, there's a word in Greek called psyche, right? So your psyche is the one that if you say something over and over and over again, From these so-called smart and real news, as Oliver Darcy says, people, you know, like CNN and NBC and and even Fox and CBS and all these blue check marks. If they tell you something because they're trusted sources over and over and over again, you're going to believe it because they bank on it. But the thing about the human psyche psyche, (laughs) is that... That is where your freedom lies. That is your free will. That is where it comes out. So, even though they're constantly trying to put us in this box, echoing the same thing, the same thing, huh? You're not really listening anymore, because no matter how how many times they'll tell you he has failed as president, (laughs) huh? You're just seeing his successes. And he is firmly responding. This is a different President Trump talking to you because he's Commander-in-Chief Donald J. Trump right now. So listen to the back forth with these insane individuals.
2: Uh, on getting them to be able to get what they need. And the system is starting to work out very well. But we had to break a system, like breaking an egg, because the system we had was obsolete and didn't work. And that was a system we inherited. And now we have something that's really been very good and certainly going to be great for the future, too. Yeah, but Mr.
1: President, there seems to be a backlash building among congressional Republicans and then your supporters about uh, a corporate bailout. Um, In particular, uh, Senator Mike Braun said that this could harken back to 2008 where we're picking. What do you say to that? Well,
2: we don't want to pick winners and losers. We want everybody to benefit. We want, I think more than anything else, the workers to benefit. And sometimes for the worker to benefit, you have to go through the company because they have thousands of workers. And if the company goes out of business, no fault of their own, those workers aren't going to be able to receive a check. So we're, uh, look, our ultimate goal are the people. Our ultimate goal are the great people of this country and uh, we will have things worked out. I think that are going to be very well. It's a very complex formula. You understand that? It's very complex, but it's working out. I think it's going to be very well. I think we're going to have pretty uniform support for it. Please.
5: President, we're hearing the State Department is going to put out an advisory telling Americans not to travel overseas at all. Are you putting in an overseas travel ban? We're,
2: we're speaking with the State Department later. I, I can't say right now because I haven't had the meeting yet.
3: Thank you, President Trump. I wanted to ask Dr. Hahn about today's announcement, if I could. Yeah, Dr. Hahn, thank you so much. I wanted to ask about remdesivir, if I, I pronounced that correctly. Can you t- say, is it currently approved for use on the virus? Uh, so remdesivir, um, and it's a drug made by Gilead, that's been in the press. Um, it is currently in clinical trials here and around the world. We have also made it available by that approach that I told you called compassionate use, where a doctor could ask the FDA for that. And the really positive thing about that, that gives it rapidly to a doctor and a patient, but it allows us to collect the data because what we really need to do is understand what the data and science are in order to make the appropriate decision about safety and and effectiveness.
0: Right. So, okay. Let me like explain that to you guys. So kind of like the, the, the thing that I created, it was under compassionate use that you can actually do trials on, you know, children, like for, you know, the research that I did and that's because they were given six to eight weeks that they'd be dead and you know they're taking their life at risk because there's no other option right now uh, you're intubated or you know your cancer's this bad I'm just saying for various things and it's at that point that you get like a, a waiver of responsibility as a doctor or as a hospital or as a you know research facility to use something that hasn't been used for something else Okay, so this is how these waivers go in. Now, as he said, and I'm going to repeat again, it's all about collecting the data and analyzing it in order to be able to apparently find the safest use, et cetera, et cetera etc. Now, I'll get into the signs of how these malaria drugs actually work. Uh, For those of you that have traveled to areas uh, with malaria, like I have, you know, that before you go to these uh, nations, uh, you take malaria drugs. Um, And that's not because, you know, it's not because you're training your body like they claim you do with virus flu vaccines. Um, it's because you're increasing the concentration in your blood plasma to be able to destroy the parasites before they get to your liver um, and uh, safeguard your blood stream, so that the war goes on in your bloodstream before it goes to the liver where they perpetuate because, you know, your liver filters your blood. And if the parasites are there, then they can exponentially just... Push. And this is why people with malaria have yellow eyes, liver, jaundice. You get it, right? Um, so uh, this was a very important statement he made. We will provide medications on compassionate use. And you have to ask yourselves, the reporter with the bleached hair, very important, bleached hair uh, ask these questions you have to wonder with all this scientific jargon being worn and tweeted and captured by those that are what what do they call offer you greatness (laughs) and tell you how it would be a wonderful world singing to you are the ones asking these questions but what are what do the people want to know is what are the real, what do the humans wanna know?
3: So how do you just make sure that it is safe? And I mean, is there any concern at all that it will be safe considering that it's not going through the normal uh, process and, and could potentially cause negative effects? Dr. Fauci earlier talked about, we do not wanna put out anything that could cause negative effects. Is there any concern about those kind of things with, with this drug? Sir? Yeah, thank you for that question because I just wanna be clear. Desivir is going through the normal process. We are using our internal processes at FDA to set up with the company, the protocols to actually collect the data, and you're right. We need to actually know about the safety and the effectiveness, and that's done through the clinical trial process. So it's those data that are going to inform the decisions that are ultimately made about safety and efficacy. This is um, an unprecedented situation. This is a a really significant time. And one thing that um, with the president's leadership, FDA has done is said, okay, how do we approach these extraordinary times with extraordinary measures, knowing that we have a sacred trust with the American people about safety and efficacy, but still at the same time, enable these treatments to, to get into patients? And that's what we're doing. Uh, Mr. President, one for you and one for the doctors. How likely is it that the 15-day guidance that you
1: have put through will be extended? I can only tell you
2: on the 14th day. we'll have to see. We'll we'll have indications later on.
1: Dr. Burks indicated that there are three states and 10
2: counties, if I got that right, where 50 percent of the cases are focused. Should those. Doing a lot. I mean, I I know New York is is working.
0: I just wanted to say that was actually cut out of the stream uh, for some reason. Uh, (laughs) Pretty interesting, huh?
2: very diligently been very strong. Uh, I assume San Francisco is one of the areas in Los Angeles and the state of Washington, obviously, that's uh, one that has to be up there. Uh,
0: just wanted to tell you looking from the actual scientific side of things, from the websites that scientists get on, like Next Strain and uh, Just Aid, you can actually see the spread of the virus on video, um, you know, expanding. And they've put the statistics and what they found, and basically pinpointing the mutations and the descendants that arose from that mutation. This is how you can follow how it spread. Um, now, now, I can tell you that after China, we had a remote pop up in L.A., a remote pop up in Australia and a remote pop up in Finland. Or was it it was Sweden? Sorry. And then two remote pop ups in Belgium. And then it began to spread. Now, another thing you should ask yourself is where in the world is Barack Hussein Obama? I just thought I'd throw that out there.
2: They're all working very hard to to uh, quarantine uh, or words just about the equivalent of quarantine. And what is your plan, sir, for moving for the government as well to start doing more teleworking? Uh, We are and we're doing uh, we're using uh, the medical term of telemedicine. And it's been incredibly busy and really, you know, where people don't have to. I mean, some people can't do it anyway. They can't get up. They can't see a doctor. But we're using this and it's been telehealth different names. And I will tell you that it's been really successful. It's helped a lot of people out where they don't have to and they can't. And even from a safety reason, if they are uh, positive, they are if they are feeling poorly, uh, they can't do it or we don't want them transmitting anything to anybody else.
5: Mr. President, President, if I could, on on China, they reported for the first time since the outbreak, uh, no new cases over a 24 hour period. Do you have any reason to disbelieve them? And second to that, uh, the National Security Council yesterday put out a tweet very critical of the Chinese government, saying the Chinese Communist Party suppressed initial reports on the Chinese virus and punished doctors and journalists, causing Chinese and international experts to miss critical opportunities to prevent a global pandemic. Could you explain? Well, it
2: would been much better uh, if we had known about this a number of months earlier. It could have been contained to that one area in china where it started and certainly uh, the world is paying a big price for what they did and the world is paying a very big price for not for not letting them come out everybody knows that we all know that Uh, believing what they're putting out now i hope it's true who knows but i hope it's true i really do
3: Quickly, a question for you and then also for the doctor, if possible. Um, You've been talking about China quite a bit and you've been talking about the the Chinese virus, uh, how if you had heard about this on day one and had more information, possibly you could have stopped it. Big difference. Are you thinking about any types of repercussions for China and are you also rethinking sort of the supply lines uh, for our manufacturing industry?
2: I don't want to comment on that right now.
0: Yeah, okay, so stop right there. So that was like a that was a very good question. But he's not able to comment right now because he's not the president, he's the commander in chief. But here's the thing, are you going to hold China responsible when they have had immense losses and not only were they being hit on trade by our president of the United States by forcing them to you know get by putting on tariffs by forcing them to change the whole way things were working right but now they have you know this uh, this light shown upon you know it's shining all over through China um, holding them accountable for diseases and people are talking about bats even though it's not far from the whole vampire thing i'm just gonna say there's always a little bit of truth in whatever they tell you but he can't comment on the are you gonna hold them responsible for this well you know we held them responsible when we stopped the human organ trading and this is something that will be coming to light i mean the truth is sometimes so horrifying and so um Beyond what someone can conceive, that you know, they just refuse to acknowledge it. The truth is being refused to be acknowledged, and that is going to be coming. Um, I mean, it's near. We unseal Epstein, we have disclosure in many things, disclosure just doesn't mean. You know, what does it mean to be not of this world? Meaning, this time, this place, this sideline, or just this reality? these are things people need to think about. I mean, if I tell you, hey, you know, because they've been cloning human, I hypothetically speaking, cloning human beings and then harvesting their organs, or that they've created clones from their own DNA to just live in the world or whatever, and then they pluck them, you know, when they need them. And what if I then told you that some of these clones actually require certain sustenance in order to maintain their ability to survive and they can can't feed on humans with a capital H, but they need to have little H's. And the younger, the better, because they're not genetically modified from all the food and stuff that's been genetically modified in order to agree more with the humans with a capital H. I mean, this is totally hypothetical, you know, just saying I'm giving examples. Sometimes stories let us tell the truth without telling the truth. It's just these, these are the thing you need to put your mindset in a place. Where you can easily denounce what you've been taught, you know, because if I tell you that the math you've been doing is completely wrong uh, and that it's always been a base 60 and they put it at a base 10 just to make you dumb, you know, I can clearly much relate that to regular math and common core math, right? And it would make sense to you. Uh, we need to get out of this bubble um, of our re- of <laughs> the reality. There were so many times in my life, and I'm sure some of you have done this. I I hope, where you're just in your car, someone else is driving, or you're driving, and you see just this couple sitting on their porch. Uh, the ladies like you know flowering her plants. the 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 man is rocking back and forth in his chair with a newspaper and a cigar they're none the wiser and sometimes you look at that and say I kind of wish I could be that ignorant not not in a bad sense right but just to not know because there are certain things that you can't unknow right you can't unknow certain things and this is where people put up their barriers because they'd be happy to be in that box and it makes you think now that you're understanding slowly, my listeners are, from the past, you know, uploads on Subscribestar, you are now understanding that, you know, the basic language of everything is math. I mean, vortex, math, 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 math. And when it comes down to it, it is quite easy to decipher because you know how to count to nine, right? These are the things we need to be taking a step back. I've always said this. I encourage all of you to try to mentally do this step back out of the scene, literally step back, try to project yourself on the moon and look down and try to see the bigger picture because once you actually um, focus on that, what you're going to hear now is going to make more sense to you. Yeah, Mr. I, I have a question for you, and also a question for Dr. Birx If you, um, uh, American workers across the country are losing their jobs at an unprecedented rate, and your former economist said we could see some of the worst job numbers ever, is the government prepared um, to see this spike in unemployment? You no.
2: Know, worst case scenario, you would have terrible job numbers. If we can get this thing wrapped up and finished earlier, uh, things will go very nicely. And one of the things they're working, as you know, one of the elements uh, that is being worked on very much so in the Hill is to keep the jobs going so that when we do get rid of the virus, we're going to be able to just really, I think, go like a rocket. I think the economy is going to be fantastic. Now, when he said that, uh, he was using that as the ultimate bad outcome. I don't think anybody believes that's going to happen.
6: Me- members of
1: Congress are now being uh, tested positive for. Members of Congress are now being tested positive for coronavirus, and we you have almost two dozen who are self quarantining. Do you um, have any guidance for Congress? Should they? I know all of them,
2: and uh, I don't know if they're sitting like you people are sitting. You're actually sitting too close. You should really. We should probably get rid of about another 75, 80% of you. I'll have just two or three that I like in this room. I think that's a great way of doing it. We just figured a new way of doing it, uh, but you're actually much too close. You, know, you two, you should leave immediately. But, but look, look, uh, I know all of them. Uh, they tested positive. Hopefully they're all gonna get better. And uh, it's one of those things. It's Congress, you know, it's one of those things. Should they keep going to the Hill or should they? Well, I don't think they're going to that. I mean, I know some where where they tested positive, they're in quarantine and I know uh, Lynn tested, but until they got the result, they put themselves in quarantine. A number of people in Congress right now are in quarantine. They don't know the results. When they get the result, they'll either stay there and get better because people get better.
0: Okay, before he continues, I just want to say. You two over there. Yeah, you two should go right now. Oh, I know all of them. I know all of them. Oh, you two over there should go right now. There's We need to cut down on you. Oh, I know all of those in Congress. All of them. Uh, some are self-quarantining when they find out.
2: I mean, most people are getting better. Most, by far, the people, are, you get better. Uh, doesn't mean it's not a tough one. It is a tough one. But no, when they, uh, many people in Congress have felt, not perfect, or they met somebody that wasn't perfect. It turned out to be positive, and uh, they've put themselves in quarantine. Now, I think they've, I think Congress has behaved unbelievably well in that regard. Mr. President, Mr.
5: President, Mr. President on, on the stimulus, sir. Given what is happening to the economy, do you think a trillion-dollar
6: stimulus is enough?
2: We'll know about that uh, later on. We'll see what happens. It depends you- how long. So much depends on what's going on in this room in terms of uh, the medical. If we can stop it in its tracks, the virus, uh, it's plenty. If we can't, we'll have to go back and talk. Do you,
1: do you support the idea of the government taking an equity stake in certain
2: companies? <clears throat> I do. I really do. Which companies are you talking about? I'm not going not to say, but I think so. Look, people are coming. People are coming in for money. Uh, in some cases, no fault of their own. But in some cases-
0: uh- Ha! Are you listening, guys? Are you ready for this, guys? Some people are coming for money. Yeah, you know, maybe, who knows? Maybe they'll come to me for money. Business, business, business.
2: Uh, Where they did certain things over the course of the years, including buying back stock. You know, they bought back stock and they paid a high price for it as it turned out. Uh, but uh, maybe I view that as a little bit differently than somebody that didn't, than somebody that built plants all over the United States, of which there were plenty of them too.
5: Airlines or Boeing, or what what are you
2: thinking Uh, of? We will be helping the airline industry. We will be helping the cruise ship industry. We probably will be helping the hotel industry. We'll probably be where, where jobs are created. You don't want to lose industries like this. These are incredible industries. You can't lose them. So we'll be focused on many industries. And I have to say, I can't say it strongly enough. We will be helping small businesses. That's where it's complicated because there's a lot of small, you know, that's the engine of the of the country. We will be helping small businesses. Yes. Yes.
5: Yes. Yes. Dr. Hahn, Mr.
4: These two members of Congress that have
5: um, tested
0: positive for coronavirus.
5: These will be votes that you need to pass this one trillion dollar stimulus package for the economy. Um, do you expect this to slow down the delivery of checks for American families? And are you considering any
2: executive action? Uh, There could be. We're looking at a couple of things that I could do. Hopefully we won't need it, but we can do. There's a lot of executive power. Uh, If we don't have to use it, that would be a good thing, not a bad thing. Yeah, please.
3: Thank you, Mr. President. Um, One for you and potentially as well, one for either Dr. Birch or Dr. Adams. Right now, the economy is essentially ground to a halt. Thanks for telling us. We appreciate it. Stores have (laughs) closed. travel has slowed down go ahead
2: what's the rest of your question we know that everybody in the room knows that
3: the question is how long should those who are either not working right now or business owners who have to make critical decisions how long should they expect the state of affairs as it stands at this moment to play out for the doctors behind you we'll
1: be
2: able to tell you that very i think in the near future we'll see where we're going you're going to see numbers you've seen the graphs you're going to see numbers and we'll be able to let you know i will say that uh, the American public has been incredible for the most part, not in all cases, but for the most part. Uh, so you'll be able to see what's happening over the next, as we say, we had a 15 day period. You'll be able to tell a lot in a week or so, not everything, but we'll be able to see over a period of time.
3: And for all the parents that are home right now, and this is a question for Dr. Birch or Dr. Adams, who are caring for their children and are curious as to, When might my kids be able to go back to school? What do you think
1: is a realistic timeline?
8: Well, I think you know most of all of those decisions are made at the state and local state and local government has handled it differently. That's why we put out from the president, federal federal presidential guidance to every single person about what we think is important for the next two weeks. And as we look at that data, we'll be able to see if it's having an impact. I think you've all seen the modeling studies. Those were driven by the modeling studies showing that if you add these things together, they have a bigger impact than separately. And so those are part of the decision-making. We had a whole group of modelers in yesterday. They're compositing all the data together to look at this carefully because everyone has those same questions of what the impact will be and what pieces could essentially be removed and you still have the same level of impact in decreasing the spread of the virus.
0: So this blinking lady is the most genius idea President Trump had bringing her on uh, because uh, she has that voice of use your words, Timmy, and bends down to his level. And that's something that people have been conditioned to like, you know, like the libtards. Now, I am going to um <clears throat> leave that with you for a second, right? While we listened to what Lindsey Graham, who reconciled, by the way, testing negative, um, what he had to say about maybe the virus. six
3: to eight weeks before we hit our peak and start to come back down. I, I just
0: wanted to also say, Dr. Adams, who's the Surgeon General, has not left the flank side of the President of the United States. This guy is awesome. I'm just going to say he's Awesome.
3: But we believe that if people uh, isolate and and stay in groups of under 10, we believe if people avoid non-essential travel, we believe if people stay home from work or telework, that those are all effective ways to prevent the spread of virus. We're looking at South Korea. We're looking at Italy. We're looking at everywhere cases have popped up. And again, the scientists feel very comfortable that these mitigation efforts will have an impact But they require cooperation. They require 50 to 70 percent of the country really cooperating and doing their part. And that's what's most important right now.
1: Well, there, you've got the Surgeon General on this program about 90 minutes ago talking about isolating. Somebody who knows exactly what that is like In South Carolina Senator Lindsey Graham. He's the chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee. He's uh, out of his self-isolation. Uh, he got the test. It was negative. Senator, for the people who are watching and worried about this self-isolation that they're going through right now by not being, you know, close to other people. Right. What Advice do you have for them because it's so important that we do that?
7: Well, what are we trying to accomplish here? America's under attack by a virus. We're moving to a wartime footing. How do you kill the virus? You deny it human contact. The battle plan is uh, no social gatherings, no eating out, no school, no sports. STAYING BASICALLY HUNKERED DOWN IN PLACE, reduce WORK OPPORTUNITY, LIVING OFF LESS INCOME. THAT'S HOW WE KILL THE VIRUS. UNLIKE 9-11, WHERE 1% OF the AMERICA HAS BEEN FIGHTING THE terrorist, 100% OF US ARE FOOT SOLDIERS IN THIS BATTLE. Mm-hmm. SO IF YOU'RE OUT OF WORK, THE CONGRESS IS GOING TO TRY TO GIVE YOU A PAYCHECK, NOT A ONE-TIME CHECK. THE UNEMPLOYMENT INSURANCE SYSTEM NEVER ENVISIONED EVERYBODY BEING UNEMPLOYED AT ONE TIME. The Small Business Administration never envisioned all the small businesses needing loans, so this package we're working on, called Phase Three, is designed, in my view, to give people income to get through this.
0: Okay, Senator. So many people at home don't understand everything that's going on in Washington. We've heard Phase One, we've heard Phase Two. Now you're mentioning right. Phase Three. We've heard the Defense Production Act. Chuck Schumer has a plan. Will you tell us what what's going to happen? Who's going to benefit from all of this?
7: If you're out of work, you need pay. So here's what I'm working on with Democrats. In South Carolina, you can apply for unemployment insurance. The maximum payment is $326 Ainsley before taxes. That's not nearly enough to get through this. You may be hunkered down for six to eight weeks, maybe even longer. So what if the federal government supplemented unemployment insurance payments all over the country? I'm willing to pay 75% of people's income UP TO $80,000 TO GET US THROUGH THAT. Mm -hmm. THIS, THIS OUGHT TO BE ENOUGH MONEY TO GET US THROUGH THIS NEXT SIX TO EIGHT WEEKS. SENATOR, I THINK THAT'S, you GOT TO RAISE THAT THRESHOLD A LITTLE BIT. BECAUSE I KNOW FOR COUPLES 150, FOR SINGLE
1: 75, I MEAN IF YOU MAKE $150,000, YOU TAKE HOME ABOUT 90, YOU HAVE THREE KIDS, uh, I BELIEVE THAT THEY HAVE TO BE ADDRESSED TOO. THE MIDDLE CLASS MATTERS
7: yeah the family unit. I mean, the bottom line here is that we're trying to restore people's income before the virus, you had an income, right? Uh, if you weren't working, your were own unemployment or your own welfare. after the virus, you're not working. I want to restore your income. I don't want to give you a thousand dollars and say good luck. I want an income stream. It either comes from your employer. I'm willing to lend, uh, let every employer in the country borrow money to make payroll, as long as they do payroll. And I'm willing to increase unemployment benefits so you can get most of your check. Mm -hmm. Senator
1: Graham, you know, uh, what is going on right now in Washington is something that we haven't actually seen happen much over the last couple of years. And that is, uh, you're talking to the Democrats, Democrats are talking to the (laughs) Republicans, stuff is getting done. This is what everybody in America needs you to do right now. And it looks like you're right. You know, Congress is rising to the occasion.
7: Yeah, the the impeachment debacle has been replaced by the spirit of 9-11. I think America's under attack. It's under attack by a virus that can be destroyed if we stay away from each other. The virus needs human contact to survive. All of this social distancing, distancing, staying out of school, not going out to eat is going to kill the virus over time. But Republicans and Democrats have one mission in phase three, in my view, is to make sure that you get most of your income, if not all of it, most of it. And how do you do that? You can do it through loans to businesses. You can do it through the unemployment insurance Mm -hmm, system. But we have to work together like people are at home. And I think they get that. Senator, i got to ask you, uh, there's a story in the Washington Post today that Jared Kushner is
1: running a parallel relief plan with the vice president. They're on separate tracks and working against each other, not on the same page. You talk to the president as
7: much as anyone. Is this, in fact, true? It would be news to me. uh, This is a wartime president. I talked to him last night. Uh, He is going to try to come up with a battle plan to kill the virus as soon as possible. Let's hear that again. It would be news to me. Uh, This is a wartime president. I talked to him last
0: night. This is a wartime president. But wait a minute. We're not at war, are we? Are you understanding now? He's telling you. This is why my show only needs to point out what they're telling you. That's all I have to do is point out what they're telling you. I I don't need to uh, comment on it. They're doing a great job. It's just that we've lost the ability to listen, to actually listen to what they're saying. They've closed down the schools, yet no children are casualties. It does not affect children. Why have they closed down the schools? So the children don't carry it for you. Correct? This is all you have to look at. You have to see what they are telling you. They want us to be in smaller groups. Why? To not what? Carry and transmit. To who? Mm. Well, we're seeing to who. And we're seeing who, what, when, and where. Uh, where are these human with a capital H victims and who they are?
7: Right. Uh, He is going to try to come up with a battle plan to kill the virus as soon as possible and help the economy stabilize until we get through this. I haven't seen any inviting personally, but uh, we're at war. We're at war with the virus, and here's the good news. You can kill this virus if you just stay away from each other.
1: Is it acceptable for them to be working on separate paths?
7: It's unacceptable for any of us to be working in different paths. You got Democrats and Republicans. What do you got? You got constituent side of work. What do you do with people who've lost their job in Myrtle Beach, Ainsley? You give them a paycheck. What do you do to a small business that has no customers? You give them a loan so they can get through this, and you can forgive the loan later. All of us should be about income stability. You got a lot on your plate at home right now. You just lost your job. I'm gonna do everything I can to make sure in the next 48 hours or 72 hours you find a way to replace your income. Do you know what the president's message is at 11 o'clock today? I think some be very optimistic. There's three things to look for here: the day we have fewer cases in one week versus the other, that's turning the corner. Therapies today the they come online to reduce mortality. That's turning the corner. When a vaccine's on the horizon, that will be turning the corner. When those three things begin to happen, we'll turn the corner. I think at 11 o'clock you're gonna hear some optimistic news about therapies and treatments to save people's lives. But until then, follow the battle plan. Right. Stay at home. You did stay at home when you were self-follow
0: the battle plan, stay at home. So, Brian Settler's really, really upset that um tiny news station oan which probably has better ratings than cnn if everybody carried it um is uh you know putting out whatever news they don't like because they're supposedly big and you should listen to them not someone else because they know best now I think one thing that we should talk about is the two members of Congress that test positive for coronavirus. Before I jump in to tell you how these uh, malaria drugs can work into um, helping those humans that may or may not be the target. Uh, because in every war there are casualties that are at no fault of their own.
3: Mario Diaz-Ballart has tested positive for the coronavirus, as well as Utah Democrat Ben McAdams.
0: Here is the letter sent by the Capitol attending physician on that. Senator, it reads, the Office of Attending Physicians identified the offices and locations that were found to be at risk, and they have been treated by the architect of the Capitol. Other instances where the affected
3: members may have briefly come into contact with other colleagues on the House floor would be considered to be low risk exposures and no additional measures are required other than for them to report any illness should they become ill. What is your response to those two members of Congress now testing positive and where this all goes next for you and your colleagues?
6: Well, Sandra, this raises a critical issue, which is after 9/11, lots of work was done here to provide for Congress to meet and vote somewhere other than the Capitol in the event there were a successful attack on our Capitol. But they never came to agreement on emergency procedures that would allow the Senate or the House to vote remotely. That's now being actively debated. Um, I've reached out to the affected members of Congress and conveyed my concerns to them and their staff. But you know, frankly, the Capitol is almost empty right now. Um, Almost all of my staff is working remotely. The rest of the Delaware Congressional Delegation staff is working remotely. We are practicing social distancing and uh, many are sheltering in place and teleworking. But frankly, we don't have a provision that allows us to take up and pass some of these significant uh, bills that provide support uh, for families and workers and communities. We also need to pass, Sandra, a bill that would allow for vote by mail. I've introduced one yesterday. It's being led by Senator Wyden. In the middle of the Civil War, in the middle of the Second World War, we were able to carry out elections and get ballots to our troops in the field and allow them to still vote. We just saw the Ohio primary delayed abruptly. We need to make sure we're making provisions and providing resources so that our elections at the state and federal level aren't interrupted by this pandemic.
0: Oh, they're just trying to get a hack that mm, in Mar- during martial law, right? Of course, the Democrats going to complain about it. Uh, the president remains president. And that can go on as long as we're under martial law. And that is a Trump card. They do not like any of that. They do not want any of that. And they do not agree with any of that. Coons came out and made it clear. Now, I want to jump to this morning's Fox briefing, where they're talking about younger Americans make up significant portion of coronavirus hospitalizations though I wanted to make mention how (laughs) Maryland's governor was like hey can you guys stop shooting each other so you don't fill up the hospitals but how come you know Chicago's mayor for example doesn't make the same you know announcement you know because uh, almost 99 percent of uh, shooting related deaths in the United States are in Chicago you know In a state where you're not allowed to have guns and a city, of course. So that's that's pretty curious. Um, Again, where in the world is Obama? Hussein, where are you at? Maybe he's with Jack somewhere in Africa. Who knows?
5: Actually, between the ages of 20 and 54. Here to talk about it is Dr. Peter Hotez, Dean of the National School of Tropical Medicine and Professor of Pediatrics and Molecular Virology and Microbiology at the Baylor College of Medicine. Doctor, good morning. Good morning. You got all that in. <laughs> yeah, we want to make sure we get all that right. You've been on before. You've been very uh, kind of a voice of reason and calm. And it's important because we're getting this new data uh, that suggests that maybe this virus is hitting more young people than we expected. How do you make sense of that? Yeah, absolutely. And we. St-
0: um, what was I just saying about the schools closing? Yeah, they're carriers. But are they the ones that are going to have the fatal outcome? I
8: got it a hint of that when we saw what was happening in Italy. So the epidemic in Italy started looking a little bit different from what we saw in China. So in China, we only heard about older individuals uh, or those with debilitating uh, illness, and and that became kind of the narrative. And now what we're seeing is a different pattern where we still have that same population at risk, but more than expected younger adults. Uh, So uh, this was true in Italy. It looks like it's true in France. And we're still early in this epidemic. Uh, up to around 10,000 cases in the United States but so far unfortunately that's a pattern we're seeing lots of young adults so it looked like about a third of those 20 to 44 years
5: of age third of the hospitalized patients are
8: 20 to 44 years of age
5: yeah let's let's show the data and then make sense of it so what you're referring to the CDC study showing hospitalization by age range nine percent in the hospital 85 or older 25 percent 65 to 84 18% 55 to 64 and on 20 to 44, 29% uh, of the hospitalizations. And then real quick, the study showing the range of fatality rates, 85 and older, 10 to 20% fatality down at the bottom, 20 to 54, less than 1%. So there are maybe more young people than we expected in the hospital because of the coronavirus, but still very low mortality rate for them. But nonetheless, this is scary for all age groups, kind of Walk us through that numbers and what do you take away? What's yeah.
0: Let me just decompress this for you. More people that are young are getting this Kung flu. But they're not dying from it. Whereas less people are actually getting the Kung flu as they age. But if they get it at a larger, you know, when you're you die more than likely so this is the differences that we are seeing and the president has been telling you wartime invisible what are they targeting how are they targeting and who have they used as a host
8: well well, what so what exactly right so but what you don't know is whether uh, the reason why uh, younger people are not having the same high fatality rate is because they're surviving better on ventilators and intensive care and if that's the case that's still a horrible ordeal for uh young adults so the you know the message is uh that you know we, we've been uh, trying to appeal to younger adults and mm-hmm. and have them shelter away and 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 do the social distancing and and explaining why that they're at risk for transmitting uh the uh virus to to yep. vulnerable populations but now you know it's a direct message your health is directly at risk now is the time to do that social distancing so we're still seeing the the panoramic views of Miami Beach and and that's in the and the spring break so we we've, sure. we've got a Uh, really halt that down to protect
5: our public health. Dr. We've got just about a minute, but I want to get something important. The president's teed up a possible announcement with the FDA as soon as this morning. Uh, There's the issue of a vaccine that we were making progress on, but may still be a year or so away. But then there are treatments, therapeutics. Uh, I want to run through two of them quickly. Uh, Talk about an anti-malaria drug that could be helpful here. And then there's a report in the New York Post this morning saying that a Japanese flu drug has been shown to be clearly effective in some trials to deal with the coronavirus.
0: Okay, so not wanting to toot my own horn, you guys, okay? Super not wanting to toot it, but hey, didn't I talk about that Japanese anti-HIV slash flu drug that can take out any viral infection immediately? It sounds like either everybody's listening to Tori Says or I know the future. Um, I mean... (laughs) When is it that it will be <laughs> mathematically, statistically impossible to be a coincidence? I just wanted to play that part for you so you can hear it yourself. Because it seems like they are telling you, well, with a few days delay, because sometimes I'm way too far out. You know, my Idlib show from November should have been played, uh, you know, now. My, hey, I... Artificial intelligence is actually the enemy that we are going to be fighting show should be played in about a week. Because all of that is coming. All of that is coming into focus. I dropped Identity 2020 again. I talked about it on New Year's. I told you about Africa. But see, this is the thing. We have lost the ability to listen because we are no longer learning. We are just going with the flow. Hey, hi, I... you know what? Actually, I might. I talked about the Japanese drug on air, but it was my subscribers at Subscribestar that heard my birthday show in regards to the coronavirus where I really broke down stuff. So these are things that we already know. I mean... Well, my listeners do for sure where they're talking about malaria and the Japanese drug. Remember what I told you about the Japanese drug? What did I tell you? It didn't stop the cell from exploding. It, ceases the ability for the cell to replicate foreign information because your genome is literally a database think of it like a computer that your genome is a hard drive and basically what that drug does it disables the search uh well the well the open file function for files that are being superimposed so it's like you know Think of the virus as a Dropbox, right, on your browser, and you're downloading a file, right? So you download the file, it comes on your computer, it's downloaded, but then you have to unzip it. Well, that's the thing. You're not unzipping it. That's what the drug does. So there's one version that can help, right? We talked about it. I've explained to you that in order to make proteins, prions, you know, um, um, a pre, um, prions and the, um, I can't say the word, gosh darn it, but let's just say baby viruses. <laughs> okay. I have to be very careful sometimes what I say, because sometimes if you say too much, you alter the, the the path and maybe it's a good thing that people listen to my shows a little bit later, catch on a little bit later and then rewind because then they learn it to be able to identify later. And it's not like I'm saying something that I'm just conjuring, I mean, they're telling you too. You're just not listening. So at, that, at this point, let me explain to you uh, what malaria is. So malaria is a disease, um, it's an infectious disease that um, is given to you by a mosquito, you know, um, blood. Uh, they actually inject you with it. And it's a parasite, So kind of like if you eat really bad sushi that has parasites or you eat uncooked pork, you have a tapeworm. You know, I could really use one of those. But I have seen someone trying to get out a tapeworm and it's not fun. So, um, yeah, (laughs) changed my mind on that one right quick. But anyway, that was just a joke. I'm trying to be funny because the situation right now needs a little bit of humor. Because we've brought this upon ourselves, in essence. By um, well, we didn't, and yes, we did. Uh, Not a lot of human beings on this planet uh, asked to be in the dark, you know. And it only takes that one person, right? It only takes that one person to hold that one candlelight that makes the other person jealous and want to have candlelight too, right? Uh, That's how things come to light. Right? And right now, we are at wartime for God, country, and humanity. It is such a big war that, you know, it's really hard for someone to digest it all. So, Let's talk parasites. Parasites are not viruses. They're actually organisms, right? They latch on to you and they repopulate, right? And this is what uh, malaria does, right? Malaria, uh, it is the... um, uh, it's called, it's part of the Plasmodium group. It's a single celled organism, right? And basically, what it does is it goes into your blood and it travels through your blood to your liver, where they kind of like grow up and then just go everywhere, right? And this is why you get yellow eyes and, you know, you get, you know, jaundice and you have seizures and then a coma because they just go everywhere. So, um, the way people test is by having antigen. What's well, an antigen? I guess you would test to see if you've started to create antibodies to fight it. I'm just making it as simple, um, as simple as possible. Now, there are... um Malaria is actually found by using, uh, like, if I withdraw your blood and look at it under a microscope, uh, you know, I'll be able to see it. And um, with antigen-based diagnostic tests, right, to see if you test positive for it, um, that you have antibodies to, you know, for it. Also, you know, we use um, PCR to check uh, the parasite's DNA. Uh, You know, there's so many ways. Now, obviously, to prevent malaria, people, you know, your doctor, if you're traveling somewhere, and I've done this a few times, what they do is, is that they give you medication uh, in order to build up enough of it In your body, right, like um, chloroquine, hydroxychloroquine, plaquenil, whatever you want to call it, Um, you know, generic or whatever, Uh, they give you this medication to build it up in your plasma so you can stop the parasites from your bloodstream getting to your liver, but also if they get to your liver That they kill them there, so you have to have like um you know a a certain concentration of it, and this is why they say antibiotics don't work within like oh I just took one and I'm done, you know uh, it builds up a concentration of it, you know there's a sweet spot as we like to say in the College of Pharmacy, that's like the Goldilocks zone of too little of a medication, too much of a medication kills you. So you got to have that sweet spot. So let's pretend, okay, this is totally like random and it's not the way it is. But in order for you people that, you know, are listening that don't understand these terms, think of, um, you know, how much salt you put in your water before you can see the salt sinking and it's like super salty. Or that you put the salt and, It's not really salty. You have to put the exact amount where it makes the perfect salt water, where it's not pooling at the bottom, but it's actually salty, right? So it has to be a good balance. This is how we take medications. Now, anti-malarial medications are actually given... To um, uh, uh, people that have lupus, and what does lupus do? It, um, you know, it's where your body is literally attacking your red blood cells. So if you get a virus from touching your face, touching your nose, sneezing, eating someone's boogers, someone spitting in your mouth, you sharing coffee, you know, whatever it is, right? Um, when it goes into your body, it goes through your bloodstream, of course. And your bloodstream is the fastest way to convey something. So, this would actually reinforce the ability for any thriving or moving of any virus or parasite because a virus is a parasite within your system. It just beefs you up. And how do we know this? From the story I told you about the South American that I met at my epidemiology class just so happened that I coincidentally shared a class with him over 10 years ago at the University of Kentucky College of Medicine. And we sat there and basically our job was to go through New England Journal of Health stuff and figure out why the person died because the only time you get your case goes into the New England (laughs) Journal of Health is because you died and nobody knew why you died and they found out why you died after you died. So anyway, he was an epidemiologist, uh, was there for his, uh, you know, pursuing his PhD. I don't know if he finished it or whatnot. I mean, I didn't, but, you know, his job was... He found that there was a correlation that if you had malaria and you were on malaria drugs and had sex with a prostitute that was HIV positive, you wouldn't get HIV. And so the virility of HIV... In a patient that had malaria was attenuated except. So if you had a prostitute that had malaria that took anti-malaria drugs, uh, that prostitute could not get people sick. It's pretty incredible, you guys. His research is amazing. So that's basically why these drugs supposedly work. Um, That is why, you know... um, uh, we have uh, this coming out to the forefront to the people. So on that note, everyone, uh, my time is up. Uh, I want to wish you guys a great evening. Take time to your family, learn how to cook, read a book, and indulge yourself in some Tory says. Uh, you'll be surprised what's to come. On the <laughs> God bless to everyone. Stay safe, stay warm, and remember, even if you order online, it's going to be a long wait.